Thanks for listening. This is Brian Hurley from Business Performance Improvement. The podcast Lean Six Sigma Bursts are short lessons, comments, Q&A, and insights. If you have a question, send your question through the Anchor app, and we might feature you on a future episode. Or contact me at biz-pi.com. I wanted to talk to you about a show, Bar Rescue. Probably a lot of you have seen the show. It stars John Taffer, who goes in and rescues a bar basically does a quick transformation. So I thought there there were some really good lean principles at play, but also wanted to share some of the things that I would not necessarily do if I was a consultant going in, but some of the approaches is not something I, I could do or would want to do. So the first thing, and some of this background is things I've heard on other shows where he's been interviewed, where he explains some of the background process. So here's what I think the process is. So at first, the owner reaches out for help or someone on, his, on their staff reaches out for help saying, we're in big trouble, we need someone to come in. They're, they have a team that reviews all the different applications and tries to pick the ones that think would be good. The crew, they pick, probably pick a, um, a date and then the crew comes physically to the location and sets up cameras. And they also hook up some metering of the bottles to try to tell how much pouring is being done and how much revenue is lost. So that kind of gets on to the, some of the Six Sigma concepts of getting really good data collection. This will actually set them up for good monitoring afterwards. As he gets pulled into the physical location, probably a day or two before he shows up, or actually when he gets there physically, there's some data review and studying of the neighborhood because he has that information as he's approaching the bar during the car ride. There's observations being made. They usually send in a reconnaissance team to go and be a customer, and they videotape, and those people provide feedback on what's happening. And that's where they notice and start to observe what's happening either in the the kitchen or on the bar, the staffing, the customer service, all that. Usually it erupts into a, um, a mess, and he has to go intervene, so he just can't watch anymore, and he goes in and steps in there because it's uh he sees has seen enough and so that's when he meets all the the owners and the staff usually not on good terms there so there's a lot of fighting and yelling and screaming and usually they violated some kind of health code violation which really uh ticks him off which is understandable um so that's usually their first meeting is uh he's yelling at them about something they're doing completely wrong and then there's really kind of a um, assessment of all the things that are wrong, and he's sharing all the things that are broken. Uh, not in the most polite way, but um, he's getting his point across. And they usually just say, shut down the, the business, get it, let everyone go home, don't serve that food, don't serve those drinks. Start cleaning. Usually that's the first thing that they do. So it's kind of like a 5S activity. But usually um, the ones I've seen that they've done the cleaning that night, so they actually stay late so that they come in the next morning when they have their first real meeting with at least a cleaner bar. There's an establishment of some kind of commitment at that first meeting in the next morning where they decide, okay, this is what we're gonna do, this is why I'm here, are you on board or not? And if people aren't committed, sometimes he's walked. Um, most of the time he's he finds enough people, whether it's the owner, usually it's not the owner, the staff, He gets some feedback from them on some of the challenges, and he sees that they want to change and they want the help. So he usually does it for the staff, not necessarily for the owner at this point. Then they come up with some, he brings in a team of experts, usually two people, one who does the bar, one who does the kitchen. 
And so the three of them work through some real basic improvements just to get them up to par, I think, or just to a level playing field. Then he does implements those quick wins, does some training, teaches them the basics, best practices, and getting them up to that standard work. Then they do a stress test. So they hire, they bring in a lot of people. So they market this stress test and they get uh, the, the bar full and they really force and expose a lot of the problems. And usually the bar will fail pretty quickly. Even with the training they got, they can't handle it. So that they'll shut down the bar again another time and say, come back later. We're going to do some more upgrades and changes and then try us for our second, you know, stress test or our grand opening, basically. Then that's where he gets into the root causes of the problem and really getting deeper into it. Um, talking to understanding the real heart of the problem, how much is in debt, why the relationship is the way it is between the staff and the owners or owners and owners to each other. Then there's um, the experts come in and they give uh, ideas for redesigning the space and, and new branding and new menu items. There's additional training for the staff on these new items and you know customer service and all that stuff. The new concept is uh, implemented very rapidly uh, very expensively. So he's going in with a crew, a construction crew, and they're changing out this space in uh, one to two days sometimes. The new concept is finally then unveiled to the staff at some kind of like quick wins celebration. And then there's a quick tour that the staff takes after there's the unveiling of the new branding. They walk through the area, they get some quick training on the tools and the features there, like new POS systems, new where is everything located, where is everything stored. Then there's a grand reopening and a stress test number two. And again, they'll, they'll usually struggle in the beginning because this is new, but usually at the end of, of the, the night, they got a handle on it and they're starting to catch up and they're starting to actually meet the demands of the big the amount of customers that are coming through. Then there's like a thank yous and the celebration and they all hug John Taffer because he did a great job and they've come around and the owners are bought in. And then he leaves and his work is done. And then at the end of the show, they do like a six-week follow-up with the data. I looked at a website called BarRescueUpdates.com, and they say after seven seasons, 84 of the 188 bars have closed. 94 of the 188 bars are still open with the same owners, and 10 of the bars have sold. About 31 of the 188 bars have gone back to their name right away. I guess that doesn't mean that they gave up on all the renovations and concepts, but it does show that they didn't like the name change. It's actually better than I expected. It's 16% of the total, um, but I think the bigger number there is just a failure of the businesses. But again, I wouldn't blame that on the bar rescue. So the success on the short term is high. The long term success isn't high. And I think you could probably think about ways in which that uh, reasons why that's happening. So what I think is going on is when the observations for the reconnaissance team are taking place, it's done in secret, and I probably wouldn't try to do secret reconnaissance of the team. You know, sometimes I'll watch a process from a little bit of, of, uh, of a distance, so I'm not right there, just to see if I notice anything differently. I also go and sit next to people and, and listen to them and ask them questions and watch their work directly, but I don't do it like necessarily where they're not aware of it or the way they do that. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think it gives a really good perspective since they don't know they're being watched. And we, we all know the Hawthorne effect where people change their behaviors when they know that they're being observed or watched. That's something that we don't really have the luxury of doing, but 
uh, I get how they why they do that, and I think it's not necessarily bad, but we don't want to be dis- deceptive of people or make them say, oh, oh, I caught you doing something wrong, and that's not really the, the, the goal. The second piece here is the meet and greet. So usually that's, I've never had a situation where it's been so bad that I've had to get upset or yell or anything like that. Not that that's really my behavior or style, but um, I guess if I saw somebody like doing something that was from a safety standpoint, I might intervene quickly on something. But usually that's not the case. It's a little bit more cordial. So that's a little different than how I might approach it. But again, this is also a television show, so I have to keep that in mind. The establishment of a, like the commitment to improve or leave, that's usually not as dramatic in the, my experience. Usually they're calling people in and there's some agreement that they're going to help. And I guess I traditionally assume that unless I see some pushback or feedback, they're on board. Um, and sometimes I'll find out later they're not, but we want to at least establish some goals and ideas of what we want to improve. And that helps establish some commitment. When they do the stress testing for the first time to expose the problems, um, I don't necessarily do, would do a stress test. I think it's can be clear from the observa- observations what gaps and bottlenecks and inefficiencies are there. Don't need to like crank up the volume on the output of that process to really expose it. Unless, you know, I could see the benefit if there is gonna be an increased demand there, but I, I wouldn't do that first, I guess. Again, not to say this is a, a wrong approach, but just a different approach. Then it gets into the kind of root causes of the problem, getting into the relationships. And this is where I think he does a really excellent job is he really gets to the heart of the problem, which is, you know, relationships between parents and sons and daughters and and relationships between the owners and spousal relationships. And he really exposes those things. And I would not go that deep in, in my work traditionally, unless I thought that was just glaringly clear. I would probably stay away from like what happens outside of work. Um, maybe we talk about it, but I wouldn't try and go to try to fix that problem. And he does and goes and tries to fix it. So I think that's commendable that he can tackle those types of challenges. The other thing that's a little different is he has experts come in and kind of redesign the space and the branding and the new items, um, where I would probably want to involve the staff and the owners in that process. And I think this is the big difference between maybe some of the success rate is they're not involved in that concept. And so this is a surprise to them. And maybe if they were more involved in that process, they would embrace it and want to retain it. But he's coming in with his expertise and said, I want to provide a, a solution here that's going to work. But um, I think there's been some, some, the numbers will say that that's not always working, even if he has a, a great idea. And that's something that I've had to learn over the years as well, that te- the technical answer that is the best solution may not work for everybody. So we've got to figure out what works for the people who do that work going forward. The, the rapid changeover and the investment in the construction and the transformation of the workspace is not usually a luxury I get to work with. Usually we're trying to look for low-cost solutions to do the job, so not you know, fancy upgrades and new solutions and new technology. That's just not usually um, something we want to launch. It's just too many things to deal with, and that's maybe some of the early struggles on that on that first night after the grand opening is there's there there's too many new stuff to deal with so we want more gradual gradual improvement small changes not massive ones not not to say there's anything wrong with that particular approach but i think if you're going to do that i think you have to have a longer learning curve so that that's the first time they're seeing this is they're 
it's unveiled to them and then they're getting a quick tour and I don't know how long that tour takes, how much training they get on the day of. Maybe they were getting training on that, the POS system, point of sale system throughout the week. Maybe they learned all the menu items and all that stuff ahead of time. That's the piece I'm not quite sure of, but there is a struggle in the beginning on that first night. And I think it could just be so many different changes going on at once. You know, I like the celebration. I like that they're showing results. They measure the results. They have a follow-up. Usually the results are really positive after about six weeks on the data. The sales are up 10, 20, 30, 40%. The final piece is that the, the often the businesses change back. They don't like the concept. It doesn't stick or they sell the business or they close because they can't make it or, you know, there's not that reinforcement or support there. So in general, I guess I would say that if I was to change something about this show, I would say have the team involved in the rebranding and the redesign of the space, get them involved in the ideas. It doesn't create this elaborate launching of the new concept, but I think you could still do that with the audience. This doesn't have to be the staff and the owners, but I think the before and after is really cool how they show that. And as an audience watching the show, I think there's just enough value there, even if the owners aren't part of that shock and awe when they see it. So anyways, those are, those are my thoughts. I just thought I'd uh, discuss this. I thought this might be a little more fun topic to go through, especially over the holidays. If you watch the show, maybe you can pick up some of these methods and see how you would compare to that approach. And if you have comments or thoughts, please add them to this Anchor app. You can just add your comments or ask a question in there and I'll I'll respond to it or talk about it next time. Hope you enjoyed it. Talk to you later. Happy holidays, everyone. LeanSixSigmaDefinition.com has a list of glossary items about popular process improvement terms, along with a history of Lean and Six Sigma methods, and key influencers like Dr. Edward Stemming, Henry Ford, Taichi Ono, Shigeo Shingo, and many more. You can also learn how to access affordable Lean and Six Sigma training and certification. Visit LeanSixSigmaDefinition.com.